You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season 4 of the Starter Set. I'm one of your hosts, Mark of the Lit from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. And with me today, I have my legendary and ever fateful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. And my catastrophically creative and eternally optimistic co-host, Gibbles and Bits. Boys, it feels good to have everybody back in the digital studio. It's been like a month. TBN, how you doing today? I'm doing so much better than the last three weeks, I'll tell you that. Um, my voice actually can sustain a conversation for more than five minutes without uh, hurting. So that's a big win. Big win for the gainfully employed nerd. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling good about that, you know. And uh, we've been getting into all sorts of games and card games. I've been playing so much Lorcana and so much Pokemon. I got to tell you, I went to the League Challenge last night and uh played some pokemon and i had the best performance i've had at one of these league challenges not uh in the scorecard but in my personal play i uh i ended the uh the event one two and one uh so one win and i'll be honest i'm full transparency here that was a buy my one win was a buy <laughs> okay uh, but I had uh, two losses. It counts. Two losses and a tie. But my my two losses uh, were against the first place and the third place finisher in a twenty person event. Uh, and my uh, tie was against the fourth place person. Um, so my strength of schedule was redonkulous. Uh, and every single game came down to the wire mm. of me playing incredibly quality opponents, including one, which is a professional like circuit player who placed top 62 at LA, uh, LAIC. Um, so like played really, really tough competition, really, really close tied. One of them would have won that game. Had the game gone on longer. Mm. Uh, the, uh, one that I played, uh, the one that I lost, uh, against the LAIC uh, finisher, I had a, uh, uh, it was just down to him top decking the exact out that he had. It was, it was not even like a, Oh, he draws into it through like a car draw engine. Like he had one chance to get it and he got it. Okay. Uh, and I was like, Hey, you know, it, it, things break, but things break that way sometimes. But I played as best as I could in those situations against really quality opponents. I felt really happy with myself at the end of it, despite going home with, <laughs> uh my only win being a buy. Uh so that was very still that was very night. still satisfying. Yeah. Playing against kids that take all the time up and uh Yes. And well and I changed really my strategy this time. I learned from that and I played a proactive uh strategy, a proactive deck so that I could steamroll children if I played them. Not that I and then I did then I didn't play against any children. So you know that's all right. <laughs> that's what we aim to do on this podcast. Steamroll steamroll children, children <laughs> in card <laughs> games. But uh but yeah, man. So, uh, but Gibby has been playing uh, Lorcana as well, and we've been texting back and forth about a new deck all morning. Uh, and uh, it's been it's been a super it's satisfying. Been. It's been. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I can't wait to hear what what Gibby has been uh, has been up to. Did you end up going to that event this weekend? 
I did not get to go to the event this weekend, and I apologize if any errant sounds make their way through uh, my microphone. I am dueling as a new dad does, holding and feeding my daughter while also podcasting, and I am very proud of that. So, uh, Podcasting and and baby on equal footing. On equal footing, (laughs) yes, while the wife's not home. That's right. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm on my two-week parental leave, so it's, it's nice to be home and being able to focus on my daughter. Anyway, as we're talking about card Excellent games, podcast. yes, I did not get to <laughs> I did not get to go to the Lorcana League this week. Uh, I was hoping to, but uh, some plans ended up getting uh, thrown on my schedule against my will that prohibited <laughs> me from uh, going to the Lorcana. But I did strike a deal that I will be going this weekend, and I uh, I got some some singles uh, that I had been looking for on TCGPlayer.com for Lorcana. So I've been bolstering. If they come in this week, I will have a pretty refined, nice deck to go into the weekend with it. I'm very excited to play. Uh, it's an Emerald Steel deck that utilizes Chief Bogo, Chief Bogo. and and it's a lot of the new Floodborne characters uh, for Lorcana. So I'm excited for that. But been playing some Lorcana, been playing uh, Pokemon Unite, uh, and uh, honestly checking back in on some of the older games and some of the games that we've. I've uh, been playing across the course of the year just to get a refresher yeah. and remind myself and check what's new and updated in them. Um, so nice. that's really cool. One thing I did want to note that is cool for me. So uh, the as it relates to Lorcana, which has predominantly been the majority of my gaming experience over the last week or two, uh, within the last week on December 1st, so a couple of days removed from when we're recording this episode, the Rise of the Floodborne officially hit the big box stores and uh, not being at work, I did try to go uh, and get some cards at some of the the stores, and I had the most luck at Barnes and Noble. Uh, I did strike a a deal with the the people in the queue. There was one guy who was it was kind of frustrating. He jumped in front of everybody. <laughs> he was a scalper, so uh, Barnes and Noble was limiting two products per person. So there was two of the troves which is com- it's a, almost like a like a keeper box that you can store your cards in it's got the manuals and a couple deck boxes and i think eight, eight total eight total packs in it so good it's a good value but if you've already got a trove maybe from the first chapter you don't necessarily need another trove just because it evens out got to the some- number of packs to price it's like a yeah, it's not a bad value, but like if you don't need the extra like storage capacity and the extra kind of accessories and it may not be necessarily your best way to go um, they had one of the Disney 100 collectors boxes, which is really cool. Um, and then they had, I'll say, 25 or so of the of the blitz, the blister packs. So this guy jumped in front of everybody, took a collection box and took a trove and dipped and didn't say anything to anybody because he was ashamed of his actions and he should have <laughs> been because he full well knows that he just plans on selling this stuff. So we ended up all splitting up the the blisters yeah, Gibby and, did a Gibby it, thing. and everybody else in the queue. Yeah, I turned around. I was because I was third in line, so I was the first pick of the um, the blister packs, and they were going to allow me to have as much as I want to. I wanted to because of the smaller ones, and I turned around and I counted, and I was like, "How about four four blisters each?" And everyone agreed in the line, and it was it was all man of like, the people. Yeah, it was all it was, it was all man amicable. People. Brendan Gibson, well not, done, not going to uh, not going to screw anybody over, but. I think my goodwill paid off because in those four blisters, I did pull an enchanted card. Let's go. So, yeah, dude. so I, I, I got an expensive card that is roughly $150 on the market and right now. You did so tell your wife. I did tell my <laughs> wife. 
I told her about it and I'm trying to get TCG player to activate my seller account. So maybe I can consider selling it, but right now I have not done so. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But, but yeah, it was, it's been, it's been a great week in Lorcana and games and all that good stuff. Okay. Very nice. Well, I, uh, I didn't really get a lot of chance to play card games this week. I've been playing Warcraft rumble uh, recently, which is like a minis game uh, on the phone. I've been playing some destiny Two. Uh, got back mm-hmm. into that this last week with season of the wish that came out um, dealing with. The- I think it's funny that they had season of the witch followed by season of the wish. Yeah. And season of the witch kind of had to do with the witch, but season of the wish just has to do with a dragon. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying like, I like people have, I've been like watching videos and people are like, yeah, season of the wish. And I'm like, season of the witch or season of the wish i can't tell it's- which one wish wish which 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 wish which 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 next season is season of the dish uh, which wish is which it's all food it's all food themed season of the dish yeah. is next. season of the dish yeah it's, uh, so yeah but anyway season of the witch w-h-i-c-h that's <laughs> next <laughs> Oh, I've been enjoying it, playing that a little bit. Uh, excited, new dungeon came out. DB and I are going to run that uh, together, blind, a little later this week. So no spoilers. Let's no spoilers. go. Um, no spoilers. But overall, really good. Uh, I did get to play some tabletop games, though. Got to play some board games, um, and we played. There's a new version of a board game, one of my favorites, called Scythe, but it is sort of remade as like a shorter kind of card game. It's like a pseudo card game. It's like a multi-purpose cards, which is kind of one of my favorite things where you have like these cards that you're collecting and there's like an active pile and an inactive pile and you kind of have to like manipulate them back and forth to take actions, which is super fun. But the really cool part is as you're collecting these cards, you're also using them to slide underneath your player mat and upgrade your like mech that you're roaming around the world in. Um, and you're like melding meteorite shards to it and getting upgrades and completing quests. But all of those things are also depleting the number of cards you have which are your actions. You're still trying to, you know, it's a lot of these games, you collect cards and that's it. You're done. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the set of cards you're going to have and you run an engine. And this one, you're constantly like depleting the cards that you have to try to win the game. So you're always having to collect new cards and try new strategies. It was super fun. Uh, we had a, we had a really good time with it. So that was more of my card gaming this week. Uh, all, you know, oh, Runeterra does come out with their next expansion and their new season. Oh boy. Tomorrow. So I am going to give it a shot. I want to grind to masters again. Well, I just want to see if it was a fluke, right? Because I grinded to masters and I was like, I really like rune terror right now. And then I I really haven't picked it up because there's literally no point in it. Once I was in masters Mm -hmm. uh, other than collecting resources, which, you know, I don't like. And I'm really curious (laughs) because I do not have enough resources to probably craft everything in this next set. So I'll probably actually have to work to get new cards. And I'm I'm genuinely curious if that will make me. Remember how like my assumption, my thought was maybe I don't like Runeterra because I can get everything easily. And I'm finally at the point right now where I won't be able to get everything in my weekly like unlocks will actually be meaningful because they'll give me cards I don't have or let me craft cards I don't have. And I'm genuinely curious to see if my addiction to building a collection is such that if in the game I can get everything, I just lose interest in the game. I'm going to see if like my interest week to week sparks in runeterra when i'm actually earning new cards so the update on that will be probably in the new year but uh i am gonna check it out so they mordekaiser morgana some cult stuff i don't know a couple other things that are coming out so i'm definitely gonna be checking it out for sure for sure well one thing before we get into it i just want to comment uh you got to play a scythe-esque worker placement uh game this week i also got to do that i hung out with my girlfriend and some of her friends and we played a uh 
a game called Apiary. Have you seen this game? I've not. Huh? Have not it heard is- of it. So cool. Supposedly it's like Scythe. I've never played Scythe. I've been told okay. I should play Scythe, uh, but I have never played Scythe. And Apiary uh, is really interesting because it's like bee themed, but it's like space bees. <laughs> like, like oh. I don't know, like sci-fi space bees, you know? I see that. Uh, but the cool mechanic with that is that each of your bees has a lifespan, uh, which is like, uh, and, it, and it, it's like these little, these little bee figurines, right? But they have like a, a, a d6 sort of embedded in them but instead of like on one so it's really a d4 because one of them's the head and the other one's like the the tail and wings or it's like a jetpack or something anyways uh and it has one two three and four and every time you deploy it you get a uh to each of the sort of worker placement zones right you get an effect based on the uh the how mature the bee is and then Mm. Uh, so like, and then you get access to ridiculously powerful effects. If you can drop a four, uh, uh, you know, a a four value B on something. Um, but then once you, uh, after you sort of reclaim, uh, a worker, uh, it levels up to the next level. And if it's a four already, it goes off of your board, uh, and goes into hibernation and the hibernation is like how you close the game out is like you're putting hibernation tokens out. And once enough, once of the people that are playing enough hibernation tokens have gone down, the game ends, but um, it's really cool. And also just visually interesting. Cause everything is like um, honeycomb Spacey. shaped and um, you know, you, you have like a, and, and there's a bunch of different bee colony mats that everybody gets a different one with different powers and then you start with a different hive. And so it's very modular and that it's not going to be like the same be It's not going to be like the same uh, every time. So anyways, uh, check that out, Mark. I, that seemed like and a game. And it's on that I, my wish list. You're, uh, if you were like the first person I thought of when I was playing. I was like, okay, this is like a Mark game. Well, uh, and there's I'm a like, reason why it's like Scythe. It's made by the same company. So Stonemeyer and Jamie Stegmeyer make that ah, game. Okay. Uh, well, that, that this, would track. This tracks. This tracks. This tracks. Yeah. Anyways, I wanted to throw that out there mostly for you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you should it. check it out. Love but it. We have we have award season. We do. Uh, can we get some sort of music? You know, like a... Oh, I was thinking in post, but Mark's just doing it live. Okay. Yeah. And you'll have to do it in post over him doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And cue better music. We have an award ceremony. Um, and we are going to be talking about all of the 11 games that we reviewed uh, over the course of the last 12, 11 months, really. Snap, Inscription, Marvel Snap, Inscription, Duelist 2, Pokemon, Wild Frost, Hearthstone, Return to Hearthstone, Gwent, Lorcana, DC, Duel Force, A Return to the Legends of Runeterra, and Monster Train. Um, we have played through these 11 games in 11 months. Granted, two months were spent on Hearthstone, but we spent half a month on DC Dual Force, DC Dual Force and half a month on our return to Runeterra. Um, and so we have some time spending all of these games. And over the next three weeks, we are going to be choosing winners for nine different categories. And DBN, what would you say this grouping of three categories, what, what are we calling this grouping of categories? Is it? Uh, so we are talking about production value. Production. I think. 
or yeah. Uh, so you know the senses. Yeah, we're really yes tuning into our our sensory elements here. Uh, yeah. So production value, and I think that that is something that. Uh, you know, in the case of if we're likening these to a film awards, it would be like set design and, you know, uh, you know, scoring and stuff like that. So um, and we have three categories. So we have uh, the first, which is uh, visual design, the award for best visual design. We have uh, the award for best sound design and then the best user interface. That's a really important thing that we've really discovered over the last uh, mm-hmm. you know, 11 to 12 months is how important and easy to navigate and understandable UI is something that <sighs> is uh, clickable and responsive and not clunky and everything's laid out in a way that makes sense. It actually there's goes been where it's supposed to go and <laughs> there's been some clunkers. There's been s- I'm actually able to find the things I'm supposed to find. <laughs> yes. Um, so those are our three categories. Now, um, we will talk more about what the future categories are for the next uh, few episodes of the month. But for today, let's dive in and start uh, with the award for best visual design. Now, we have all talked about our groups uh sort of conglomerate choice for these winners so mark would you please present the award for best visual design dun, 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 dun. uh best visual design winner goes to inscription uh, round of applause cue round of applause yay and then the leshy comes up to the stage <laughs> to receive his award yeah. <laughs> uh, takes it, a picture of the presenter inscription <laughs> was the second game that we covered the one that we were most careful with spoilers on because it is a story driven roguelike single player deck building game um, in which you are adventuring through this world where you have been sort of like captured in a cabin in this pseudo digital 80s futuristic as well purgatory kind of uh yes a very strange visual theme overall but dbn let's hear from you first and then uh, we'll yeah. do dbn gibby then me maybe we'll switch it up a little bit each time but Tell us why for you Inscription was there. And then if, if there was any other game that you mm-hmm. also just wanted to mention from our, our year of gaming. Yeah. So um, I do want to start off by saying that for me, Inscription was the runaway winner. Now, there is one or two that I'm like, I liked these. I'm a fan of these visual designs. But um, and, and this is where cue spoilers. So if you haven't. Uh, I think we. I think there's no way to talk about this fairly without. And we can try to stay of st- free of story beats, but um, there's no way to impress the level of, uh, you know, strength of visual design past this, uh, which is the fact that the game dabbles in like seven different visual themes throughout the course of the game. Mm-hmm. And they are Im- each of them is uniquely immersive. And so again, spoilers, but as you sort of progress through this uh, the story and the story changes and big events in the story happens, things get changed. The world state adapts to these very, very different uh, you know themes and homages to different types of you know card games. This is really an ode to card games. Um, and we see all these different styles play out in a way that each one 
it's it's almost jarring at first because it's so different with the first time you experience one of these shifts it's so different from the thing that you had spent all this time getting used to and it's a big surprise but then as you realize it keeps going and it keeps adjusting and we're seeing all these different things including some again spoiler i hope you paid attention the first couple times like a couple like live action like sh- like scenes as the story you know, switches to like a you know uh, a, a live action uh, cut scene right like it is so innovative and ambitious and you t- wholly unique. And we've all talked about how immersive inscription is um, to like, each of us in our own ways, how immersive it was. I rem- I think I played through it in like two days, three days, um, and I just couldn't put it down. So thinking back to that now, there were I had there were issues I had with the game. The first uh, and probably only issue, the main issue, just being difficulty. I would have liked a game that challenged me as a dedicated card gamer a little bit more, but I there was nothing about the story or the visual themes that uh, at all, uh, you know, put me off because the fact that I just zoomed through the game, just needing needing to see the next thing, uh, is as much of a testament as I need. So inscription, and I think we all feel very similar about that that visual component, but I know. You know, that Gibby had, and, and Mark as well, had other uh, sort of runner-ups. To me, Inscription was probably the only one, but I know you guys had some runner-ups as well. Um, can you can you walk through that? And if you have any sort of comparisons to why you chose Inscription over that thing, I would love to hear it. Yeah, uh, I'll go next. So for Inscription in particular, uh, I thought that I'll comment just on a couple additional thoughts as to why I think it was so good in this category of visuals. Uh, I thought from a sequencing perspective as well as it jumps from category to category. I mean, this is meant to be a relatively creepy and and horror based game. And I thought the sequencing of the different kind of stages you go through as it flips from theme to theme did a really good job about keeping you on your toes. You start off with this very dark and sinister and almost frightening situation of you being in this cabin alone and having to like play for your life. And then once you beat it, Oh, it goes into this eight bit world. That's so like, I don't know in the middle of the road in terms of like, like horror, like it's not, it's not scary. No, there's like some, maybe some themes in there with like undead or whatever is scary. If that, if that kind of stuff gets to you, but overall the actual like gameplay wasn't scary in the eight bit world. And then you see these like cut scenes that kind of are also Blair, very Blair, Witch project esque, like kind of back and giving you little snippets and tastes of that scary genre, like kind of peppered throughout the whole experience. But visually it, it did a really good job of keeping you on your toes, drawing you in. You don't know when they're going to come to another, another major chapter point where you're going to go back into like a fright mode. So I thought the the visuals were so drastically different at different points in the game, and but also captivating throughout the entire thing, and unique for the like like a horror genre of a game. I thought it was fantastic. Now, uh, to DBN's point, there was a runner up for me, and it may come off as a bit biased just because I'm currently so enveloped in this game. But uh, for visuals, and we didn't choose it because there is a little bit less involved with this because there's not, it's not a digital game, but Lorcana for me has great visuals. When you look at the card designs and even some of the, I think about it as well from like a map, like a board placement kind of thing. When you think about how you navigate a, a play mat 
with the different sections that you play your cards in. I think visually it does a very good job helping to teach uh, and helping the player base understand it is uh, how the game, game operates. And it doesn't have a lot of clutter. I mean, and this comes yes. from me playing Pokemon, which has a ton of clutter. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, and that maybe that bleeds into user interface a little bit, but potentially. Uh, I th- I think from a visual perspective, when I think about the the beauty of the artwork and even some of like the way that foils are done and enchanteds and things like that, and some of the uh, all of the materials that things come with and the card backs and um, I thought when you look at Floodborne versus Dreamborn versus Storyborn and the creativity of the the different versions of the cards. Some of them don't even exist within the stories, but just the 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 execution of, with the exception of the the new Isma card, Isma No Boobs. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that card is not very well drawn. It's not in my very opinion, well but, drawn. No, but but the rest of the cards, I can't think of any others amongst almost four hundred cards that have released at this point that are that I would, I can point out and go, I don't like the art on that. I think some of them are so breathtaking that it uh, it, it awarded an honorable mention. Yeah, well, to be fair, um, I think that if this was strictly a card art award, I would be in your camp completely. I mean, there's a lot that goes into visual design, right? And I think that that comes down to, you know, there, there's, I mean, even just the, the layout, this bleeds into UI a little bit, but the menu artwork and, you know, the animations, the card animations, things that the these digital games do that really send it over the top. That is not just the literal artwork on the card, you know, um, which makes it hard to give this award to like a, a physical card game. But I fully back that, Gibby, like the card well, artwork is beautiful. Yeah, Lorcana is a beautiful game and opening a pack of Lorcana is just a delight, mm-hmm. not just because you get the, you know, you get the quick hit uh, of uh, of the, the card opening fix, like but also smell. just because well, also because <laughs> you know, that too, trust me, I'm, I'm a, yeah, but like every card you flip through is pretty to look at and there's not unlike Pokemon, which has so much filler there, every card has a theoretical place and that makes each card feel more worth looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyways. Uh, well, Mark, my, tell us about your visuals. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it was a pretty easy choice for inscription. I actually didn't give inscription this just because mm-hmm. I had given inscription. I felt like I was going to end up giving it its best in so many categories because it is such a standout game. Um, like it, 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 it is. It's like it's just like it's so different than anything else that we played. So when you look at a category, it's easy to just be impressed by it. Um, but I do agree. I think the area in which this game is the most impressive is its visual thing. And that is from everything from playing the game itself. And it's really not high quality artwork on the cards, very basic artwork on cards, but the theme draws you in like everything just kind of makes sense and clicks the sort of escape room puzzle elements, the getting up from the board and realizing that you have another game to play, the conversations that you're having and the way they portray the characters, I think overall is done really well. And then you have these like that Blair Witch style video stuff that goes into it as well that Gibby mentioned that I think is interesting. I think maybe one of the most interesting things about Inscription is like this is Right. The amount of money that had to have been spent on artwork in this game has to be staggeringly lower than something like the artwork on a new set of cards and skins in Legends of Runeterra, for example. However, this is a great example of what a lower budget game when it comes to visuals 
um, can do if it's done really well and if it's really intentional and really well thought out. And it does it in such a way that just draws you in. My two honorable mentions, I put Wild Frost in this category. Um, I think mostly because I think everything about Wild Frost is done just really well. And I think the theme on it out of all of those sort of like roguelike sort of like... Uh, I'm 100% yeah, gameplay with you. loop style card games, which Inscription's really not. It's like a story game. Um, this The other ones are just like gameplay loops. I think it's just done really well across the board. Um, and then my other honorable mention would be Legends of Runeterra, because I don't think that you can argue if you're looking for like a triple A style, like really cool art, really cool animations. There's really nothing on the market right now that even competes with uh, Legends of Runeterra when it comes to like the quality of like the artwork on the skins and the stuff yeah. that they put out for the cards. I don't think that made it the best in this category because we're talking about visual theme, not just cool artwork. Uh, yeah, but I think I think I wanted to mention both those. Both Wild My Frost, the theme was so good, and uh, and Runeterra, the art is excellent. Yeah, if I may, I actually think that that uh, so. It depends on what you're interested in. They've styled the, uh, in Runeterra, they styled the visual strategy around the cosmetic uh, monetization. Um, and so in my mind, that actually dings the visual theme becomes, because it becomes less cohesive. And it's oh, the it's same thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that's where like, it, it is certainly the production value is high. It is well done, but it, and this has always been a complaint of mine about Runeterra. It feels so, and part of it is because they're they're basing a card game off of a MOBA, MOBA but it's uh, it feels really all over the place. And especially when you start seeing skins that are, you know, joke skins like you know Santa Brom. Not I loved Santa Brom by the way, but Santa Brom versus World Eater Zed or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. And you're like, okay. I get, I mean, it's, it's a MOBA theme, but like, you know, it always was jarring to me, but I will say just to your last point, then we're going to move on. Uh, Wild Frost is a beautiful game and it's also a cute game Yeah, and it is consistently, even when you're up against the wall against, was it, uh, Ma Paw, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and some of those, uh, some of those things like, so I think Gibby mentioned this last week uh, when we were talking about Monster Train, and, and I know he mentioned it with you because I remember listening to that episode and thinking this is a great point. You know, y'all were like, we can't really remember or feel like a kinship with any of the units in Monster Train, but I think about my favorite units in Wild Frost all the time mm -hmm. uh, because they're visually engaging. Uh, they are thematic and consistent with the rest of the universe. So um, anyways, I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. I think Wild Frost is a fantastic uh, runner up for this category as well. Um, let's move on. Uh, Gibby, would you like to present uh, the divisive award uh, for best sound design? So best sound design, we all had different initial opinions but you know just like any other award show the committee gets together before the actual uh pr presentation and everyone puts on their nice tuxedos and ball gowns and shows up to sit in their fancy velvet seats 
and and clap regardless of how they feel. We uh, we had our had <laughs> tell some, that tell had that some, to the FBS uh, committee, <laughs> right? So we we all had some different initial opinions, um, but we did come to a consensus for a winner here and for best sound design. We have selected Gwent. Dun, dun, dun. Gwent, the Witcher Thank card you, game. Yeah, the Witcher card game. Yes. Uh, so yes, Gwent has won our best sound design, and I, I guess I'll start off with the rotation here of, of talking. Then we'll f- flip it over to Mark, and then and then DBN to finish us off, just like we did with um, our actual review of Gwent. I think DBN is definitely the the most well versed in Gwent, so he can kind of be our safety net to catch any any thoughts that we miss on why Gwent is our best in sound design. So Gwent. From a theme perspective, as you open it up in the the entrance music itself, down to all of the different board aspects and all of the different character uh, voice lines that come in, Gwen is just beautiful. I mean, it's the voice acting in Gwen is all so clear, and it's just got such satisfying noises and and voice lines to all of the different characters multiple of the digital card games that we play, when you look at Runeterra, when you look at Hearthstone, Gwent all have voice lines. Some of them are more memorable than others, where something like a Snap only does voice lines for the more significant, maybe higher cost or more powerful characters. Gwent uh, pulls out all the stops and hits every card with something significant and something memorable and unique that you can look back on and go, this faction has an identity even from down to the sounds and the voice lines to the the uh, home music in the the menus as you go through are also super catchy and on theme. So Gwent is just, it's one of the many things that makes Gwent such a fantastic game. Hmm. Uh, Mark, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, what did you love about Gwent and the sounds? So I think that, I think that Gwent's strength is that the sound is good but it's not intrusive. Um, what I mean by that is like the sound is really in, in some ways, in some ways is kind of a piece of the bedrock of the game. Um, it's done well across the board. The sounds that come from the Witcher world are already like really well done. Um, they're already sort of like Skyrim level um, music, right? That well, and really- they brought in the same composer to like rescore some of the themes to fit the needs of the yeah, came Witcher from of the Witcher, game, right? But it's the, it's the same themes like re sort of refit, and they brought in the same composer to do it for Gwent. Yeah, so like the music in the game across the board is great. I can't say there is ever a point. Um, the Witcher was in my top couple. I can't say there is, or the Witcher, the Gwent was in my top couple. I can't say there is ever a point whenever like if you asked me what my favorite part about Gwent was that I would tell you that the sound, the sound design was my favorite part about Gwent. Cause it wasn't, I think the gameplay was my favorite part about Gwent. I found that it was just really fantastic and really intriguing and really enjoyable. However, um, there's never a point. There are some games where the sound is like, I'm just going to mute this game. Cause I just don't even want to listen to it. Right. I think that, uh, to certain like Rune Terror can be that way sometimes. Like DC Dual stuff, Force is the biggest culprit of. Oh, that. Yeah, DC Dual Force was really unbearable. Bad as well, sound design. And it's like I just or like having it. to mute your opponent or anything like yeah. that. Like it's it's just never a problem. Yeah, you know, a lot of card games I play with a YouTube video in the background or listening to music in the background because I don't want to hear anything that the cards are doing. 
that was not the case for me with this game. I also, as a runner-up, an honorable mention, threw Inscription in here. Inscription was my original first bet for this um, because there's nothing that's like ultra advanced about Inscription's sound design, I don't think. Um, but what it does really well in sound is the same things that it does really well in visuals. And it might not be the most elaborate, but it's done really well with the resources that it had, right? Like, there's never a point like the sound really does draw you in and sort of the spooky forest or the eight bit world or whatever have you. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. The other one I'll give a, a, a little shout out to is actually Hearthstone. Um, I believe it or not, I think the most mis- nostalgic and enjoyable piece of returning to Hearthstone over those two months, um, which was too long, um, was the most nostalgic thing for me wasn't the card visuals it was the sounds it was the voice lines yep from the various cards and hearthstone did something really well with that i'm not saying that that's overall sound design it makes it excellent but it did something really well with specific voice lines that have just stuck in my head for years and will probably never go away and i might not remember them but when i hear them i i'm 100 back in that hearthstone game playing my one one gnome that draws one or my three five troll with taunt like i it just thrusts me back in um overall i don't think it's the best but i i I did feel like that was the best nostalgia trip for me in hearthstone um just thought about that as we were talking about it but yeah i agree went excellent sound design um overall i felt like it's just it's a really really well put together game and the sound can either ruin or complete a game. And I think that in Gwent, it really brings it to a lot of completion. Now, DBN, Gwent was at the top of your list here. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, I got my way here with this one. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I felt like I had arguments against everything else. Um, and so not that other things weren't good, but that I could I could find points of criticisms with everything else. And I didn't really feel like I had a point of criticism for the sound design for Gwent. Now, to be fair, it's not like a, a, a wholly original score was created for this game, but rather that the, some of the best scores from the Witcher three uh, were brought in and sort of retooled for utilization in the menu options and to be played during the games. But unlike literally every other game on this list, I can sit here and hum three different themes from that uh, game that play in the background of the different menus. I also can sit here and think about some of my favorite cards and the voice lines that they do when they come down and the sound effects that they do. And especially on the premium cards where there's a full animation of like five or six seconds that go through and have a whole like, you know, background and, you know, they continue with some uh, background like sound effects and stuff. If you're looking at them in full screen mode, right. Um, You're also looking at the fact that like you have your pack opening screen is catered by a big goofy ogre named Shoop who makes comments whenever you open up a keg and he smashes the keg open, you know? Uh, And so all of those things together, I think one of the things that I learned I hated is big splashy click effects. Like when you click on Mm -hmm. something and a huge loud thing happens, like DC dual force drove me up a wall with this. Every time you click something, it's bling. And you're just like, shit stop quiet oh shush <laughs> you know um and uh and gwent is i don't feel like i have any compunctions about that and again you know you've got all of these iconic characters and leaders um that if you're a fan of the gwent 
or the uh, Witcher universe, like you're like, oh wow, um, you know, I'm when I play Geralt, Geralt has a cool line, and you know, and so I, I will say maybe I'm spoiled a little bit because I have an enjoyment of that universe. Um, I like it too, though. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me, I like inscription. My ding on that was that it wasn't as. Uh, I, I can't sit here and recall anything except the theme. I can't even recall the theme. I just remember the feeling when the angler first shows up and the the shift in the the music there. But but to me, again, I think about the cool fish hook visual is actually what I remember. I just remember being like, oh wow, this is cool, and oh I'm I, I'm I don't know how I'm going to beat this right. So and then I thought about that. And I was like, but really, that's a visual thing because what I remember is not the sound; it's the visuals, hmm. right? And so same thing with something like Marvel Snap, which Gibby brought up and as like, think about all the things, you know, like animated frame and all those funny yeah. lines. And I'm like, that was a funny, cool gimmick. Frame break. Frame break. Yeah. And like, we love those, but that's just one thing. And I went back to double check myself. I was like, I need to check myself before I wreck myself. What is the, the, the background sound on the menus? And I'm like, oh no. I just listened to it, and I remember how old that got after a while. Mm. You know what I mean? And maybe, and maybe it's preference. I, I didn't bring up my honorable mention. Snap was my honorable mention. Uh, I it didn't it didn't get old for me, but I can I can see how it was. And maybe I think the difference that Gwent capitalizes on better than Snap, if uh, if, if I may, is there is a misconception that flashy equals quality yes, yes and that loud equals like expensive and like that's not the case like when you talk about well done quality audio it is being on brand being on mm-hmm. theme and there's a, there's a longevity piece to it from a player perspective where it, it's memorable yeah. but it is not cumbersome and it is not exhausting to be a player in the game for multiple games in a row queuing for a session. Even if you're a streamer, like think about how many, how many people stream games nowadays and they're in there every day. Like there are games that would be so exhausting to stream Mm -hmm. from my perspective. I just don't see Gwent being well, one and and no from an audio perspective and no other game puts as much effort into the sound effects of the individual cards as Gwent. I mean, we're talking about like a cool sound effect will go off and then you'll hear a slowly fading creaking of a boat in the background of the card art. You know what I mean? Um, or crows, you know, cawing in the background of you know, guy comes in and says a line, and then you hear the mud squishing under his foot. Like, there's so much going on there. And so I'm just, I, I just, for me, it was, it's a game I really love. And so that is sort of maybe, uh, you know, sort of swaying me, but I just sit there and I think I just, there's, there was so much tender love and care that went into the sound design of Gwent that I, it, for me, it has to be the the favorite. So, um, I, I think, uh, you're announcing the last one, man. Our last uh, am I, am I announcing it? it uh, yeah. Oh, Oh, I okay. announced the first one. Gibby announced the second. You need to do music. Oh, I hate that I have to announce this one. Best UI. <laughs> you have to you have to do the music for it. <laughs> uh, you know, the best UI uh, for uh, Legends Cast uh, starter set. We have awarded uh, to Runeterra. <laughs> Legends, Legends of Runeterra. Of Runeterra. <laughs> Uh, 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 you know, um, 
Yeah, Legends of Runeterra, we have awarded the crown uh, of the best user interface. Now, obviously, uh, you all know how I feel about Legends of Runeterra as a game, but even I, this was, I begrudgingly admit, a unanimous decision. The council has decreed that uh, the user uh, interface and the sort of you know menu navigation, all of that in Runeterra is... Uh, just the best. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't like playing the game, but boy, do I like clicking through those menus. Uh, Mark, give me uh, give me the rundown. Like, what makes the UI stand out compared to, you know, admittedly, there's a field of other games that do it okay. They do it well. Sure. I, I think, you know, we can sit here and go, we had some criticisms of Snap, but I think it's improved a little bit since we initially reviewed it. Um, tell me what, tell me what Runeterra yeah, I feel that, it does so well. I think that Snap actually would have won if while I was playing, they had the events feature fixed that was buried under six clicks, um, mm-hmm. which might be fixed now. I don't know if it is, but when we were playing and it wasn't and it was the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, I actually well, Snap also has a lot of currencies and stuff, too. So that's true. I, I think it's not the only thing I would ding on it. Um, yeah, but it, it is right. otherwise like it's a it's. responsive that's one thing we encountered with some games is the menus weren't super responsive the buttons didn't move you through the menus quickly uh that's something snap does well but that's also something runeterra does well (laughs) yeah yeah so i i think runeterra it's the polish really honestly is what it is right they very clearly have a big enough team that they can have someone dedicated to really creating a functional and simultaneously very attractive ui um, that did both of those things really well. Um, I think that it is easy to navigate. I think when you jump in, it's relatively easy to figure out what you want to go to. I would say this, the larger the game has gotten, the more cumbersome it actually has become. Um, and so that is the one little knock that I have against. I still do think it was probably the best UI experience that I had in terms of navigating to where I wanted to go. Wild Frost also has a pretty beautiful UI, but there's some elements of that UI that are just difficult to navigate because you're trying to figure out what hut you want to be in and try to figure out, oh my gosh, like where things are and all that sort of stuff. That that was tough for me. I that never remembered which house was which, and I ended up clicking through five houses every time I wanted to find something in Wild Frost. And I'm like, yeah. please, li- I need labels. Gwent, I need labels. Gwent was probably very good at one time, but once again, as the game had grown, because I came into it later, it had become yes. a little bit cumbersome. Uh, I don't even want to mention DC Duel Force because that wasn't finished. Um, you know... Uh, one thing I want to just throw out there: What about Duelist Two? Because I don't. That's what I was we had a lot of criticisms of the game, in especially you did. I Gibby and I liked the gameplay, but I it had a lot of min, it had a lot of features embedded in there. It's not the same as UI. The UI. I actually think the UI was super clean. Actually, the UI reminded me of a less polished version of Runeterra pre Path of Champions, where yes, there was less totally. options on it, and you could easily find where you were wanting to go. I actually think that the UI in Duelist 2 is actually very, very good. It just is not as polished. There, there's this, man, there's this spit also, shine I, on Runeterra that is just like, it's really attractive. And like, I think it's, it's some ways, it's like the sound of the buttons as you come, as you like it's mouse over them. It's really yes. responsive. It's moving through. There's some things that are frustrating in it, I, I still think. But I do think the UI in Runeterra, I still liked it a whole lot. Um, 
And it, 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 it felt like that was sort of like when I came back to it after a year away was a little bit of like the welcome home was like, mm-hmm. I stepped into it and I was like, Oh, this is, I'm not trying to find anything. And it and wasn't I, just because I had played it before. Cause I'd played Hearthstone before too. And that was like a madhouse was the worst UI experience that I had was what, what chaotic state Hearthstone is in right oh, now. <laughs> Hearthstone's in a very chaotic state, and I, I don't care for it. I also don't want to ding, and this is where I landed, because I thought about this discussion. Like, literally, I thought about this discussion. I was like, there is so much more in Runeterra right now than there was before when we initially looked at it, it well, when we played it for so long, right? Before Path of Champions, right? And, and, and the UI has always been, you know, uh, uh, very responsive. It's easy to find. Things are well-labeled. They clearly take thought in the user experience and like how were people navigating menus now but i didn't feel like it was fair to ding a game for having a lot of features and having a lot of things what matters is can you quickly and easily find the thing you need and while runeterra in its current iteration has a lot of things in its ui it still manages to tuck them away in places that are both not cluttering but also convenient to access and even in my brief return to Runeterra, I had no issue by the end of it finding what I needed to find. And that wasn't because I had played it before, because a lot of the things had gotten moved around and shifted and adjusted, but it was easy to pick up and, and it became instinctual again. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's like, yes, there's a lot in there. And when you first come in, it might be slightly overwhelming because of the amount of content that's in there. But in comparison to Gwent, where there's a lot of content, a lot of filters, a lot of ways to find things, a lot of you know different game modes, some of which aren't as supported as they used to be, um, Gwent is definitely does not do as good of a job in um, helping you navigate the menus to jump from one activity to the other somewhat seamlessly. Um, and so that is where I'm like, I would give the edge to Runeterra. And again, and I, I, I'm interested to see what Gibby thinks on this because I don't think Runeterra is the best UI out there. It's, but I do think it's the best of the games we reviewed. Hmm, interesting. Like, I think it can be better. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I do. I, I, I think that of the games we reviewed, I don't think any game did it with, at to Mark's point, that spit shine. Um, and again, I think responsiveness and you know hovering over buttons, clicking them, they're fast to get you to where you need to go. There's not as much lag or loading time. You know, uh, the first you don't have to. You, I think there was one time, two times in Duelist where I'm like, and definitely in Dual Force, where I click something and it didn't read it the first time, and I had to click it again <laughs> to go to that. You know, and it's like nothing infuriates me more than a button that doesn't do the thing. <laughs> so, uh, Gibby, give us your thoughts, Runeterra. Why was this your number one choice i think just being in the game for so long when i think about user interface i think about deck building Mm -hmm. i think about actually like trying to read new abilities i mean i mean when you think about how often a game updates cards and adds new abilities new traits new ideas new understandings of gameplay when you're actually in a 1v1 battle i felt like i understood relatively well at all times in runeterra what was being buffed, what was being debuffed, how this card was affecting this card when it was doing an ability. I felt like everything was relatively clear that helped me understand the game as a player. Not only that, but clicking through the menus, I felt like I knew where everything was and it wasn't hard for me to pick it up. Where some of the other games we've played, the menus are cluttered, the menus are hard to find. 
or maybe even the uh, tutorials aren't self-explanatory. And that's part of the user interface to me. So uh, I felt like Runeterra did a fantastic job, as we've already mentioned, that polished kind of design of where everything put. I mean, when you start talking about how it translates from PC, not only that, to to mobile. Oh, yeah, the mobile client's not, not bad at all. The mobile the mobile client is pretty pretty great for as it translates especially from, compared to the pokemon mobile client my god oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so like uh so close so like transitioning it from pc to mobile like i still felt like i could play it on both and everything would still be intuitive i knew where to find everything so that was great um but i yeah runeterra to me was just one of the friendliest like usability from a player perspective of any of the games, definitely of the, of the games that we reviewed this year, but of the ones that are out there. And I, if I took some time, I could probably think of one that I, I felt was better, but this is, this is up there for me. It was of, of the things I knew if I come back to rune Terra, I would still feel like no matter if they added game, the game modes or things like that, I still feel like I'd be able to find everything that I wanted to find. Mm. It's also really hard to compare games when it comes to UI, keeping in mind, guys, because the amount of UI that's necessary for a competitive card game with multiple modes and deck building is completely different than the amount of UI that's needed for a roguelike deck builder, <laughs> like Slay the Spire, yeah, and, that needs like and, two buttons. So, And for the same reason, I, feel, I felt like I dinged the deck. I dinged the deck builders inherently because... And, and and Lorcana, I was never even going to consider for this because they don't uh, have as much of a lift. Um, and mm. so I I, I would have considered Wild Frost. I really would have if it wasn't for the fact that I never could find the right hut on the first try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like fair. you know, I would have. I w- it wasn't. I didn't eliminate them. <laughs> I just sort of dinged them a little bit. Uh, and so are the dudes uh, in the steam hut, or are they in the ice shed, yeah, or I are they in the pet remember. shack? Which one? I can't. I, I, are we sure they're not just moving around? Yeah, willy I can't nilly? find them. I can't find yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> oh <Okay>. man. <laughs> awesome. Well, I tell you what. That's going to close out the first episode of us doing a little uh, look back on the year and giving out some awards. So once again, best visual design going to Inscription, best sound design going to Gwent, best UI design going to Legends of Runeterra. And next week, we're going to be covering the most innovative mechanics, the healthiest balance, and the best in-game economy. With that, I encourage you, head on over. Uh, don't allow our opinions to completely sway you. Head on over to Discord where you will find some uh, some open uh, sort of like questions. I don't know, rankings? Uh, uh, polls. Polls uh, for the three things that we discussed for visual design, sound design, and UI. Um, those things are going to get posted over in our Discord. You can grab a link to that in the description of this episode. And let us know through the polls what your favorite is uh, in all of those categories. And uh, we can kind of tally and take a look next week at what the community actually voted on as we dive in to our next three categories. Um, yeah. And, and balance and economy. And feel free as well. Give us a little type, like type up a little message about what games you feel are the best in those fields. And we can, you know, read out some of those responses from the community uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to include that in that episode. Um, once again, as always, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash camp legend or just grab the link 
in the description of this episode in case I butchered whatever it is. Um, thank you to all of our patrons. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us um, and allowing us to continue to make the show and do what we're doing. That is going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with us through the starter set this year. And uh, once again, stay tuned for the next two episodes. We'll go through the last six categories, give some awards out, and then we'll let you know what is coming for the future of the podcast and what you can expect from me, DBN, and Gibby together in 2024, the new season. That's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to come back for next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network.